This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. We just started singing. Hey, welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and I'm joined here by my fantastically amazing co-host, Bree Tucker. Oh, well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? You always sound like a Southern belle. You're like, hello, hello. Oh, man. I'm still trying to figure out my voice on this, I think. You know, like when we first started doing the podcast, mm-hmm. remember I was quoting Anchorman all the time? <laughs> just Stay so classy. Stay Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Stop. Thanks for stopping by. Well, it gives me an excuse to quote like Hamilton and all the musicals and everything like that. I love it. I love it. I, my goal is to eventually get this down to a science where I can start putting Easter eggs in all the podcasts of like, what movie is Brie trying to quote in this one? <laughs> well, with me, it's always going to be a musical. It's what funny. musical? <laughs> it's okay. going to be Hamilton. Not only Hamilton. what musical. Yeah. And not only what musical, they have to name the song. Song. In the musical. Yeah. I, come on. Can't, can't make it that easy. <laughs> We we listen to Hamilton so much in our house. Like our kids know Hamilton so much. So, oh, I haven't told you this, but Eric, he's auditioning for a children's choir today. <gasps> he is. He is. It's going to be a Zoom audition because Josh, my husband, he was in uh, the Phoenix Boys Choir when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And we had to have like a little talk about Phoenix Boys Choir because it's way in downtown Phoenix, which would be a 25-minute drive there and a 25-minute drive back in rush hour when rush hour returns. And I'm like, is there one closer? And so we did find one closer here in Chandler. So he's auditioning today. Yay! Yeah. Oh, that'll be so fun. Yeah. And he got to pick any song that he wanted. And um, I think he's going to do Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. But we sing Hamilton so much. So like Josh and I were just joking. You should do Hamilton. He's like, you should do Hamilton. Like, here's this little seven-year-old and he would break out singing, what does a bastard orphan son? (laughs) (laughs) 
It'd be like that scene from like Back to the Future when Huey Lewis is like, excuse me, son, you're just too loud. It's just not appropriate. Sorry. I wonder wonder if they would get him in. (laughs) Or they'd just be like, um... Or they'd be like, yes, yes, that, yes, that is what we need. That is what we are looking for. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, that's happening today. So that's something well, I'll have to look like, forward to. Give little buddy congratulations. Well, you can't make such a big it. deal because I've okay. been told this myself. Because Josh, my husband, he said when he was younger, when anything was made a big deal out of, he didn't want to do it then. Oh, okay. All right. So you kind of have to be very so I'll nonchalant. Wait, I'll wait till he brings it up later then. Yeah. How like, about that? Oh, hey. Anything oh, good cool? job. And you're anything cool like, happened this week? Can't show any excitement whatsoever. It's very hard for me because I, I show so much excitement. <laughs> oh, same here. I'm like such the cheerleader, but you know what though? Because yeah. Eric's a lot like my son too. And yeah. so I have to I try to bring it. And be ha- have that same level of like, oh, okay, have cool. the level. I'm cool. Nothing, nothing cool. is so exciting. It's all cool. Yeah, which brings us a little bit into what we're talking about today. Yes, and it and it sounds like it's a really big leap we're taking with this. But uh, today we're going to talk about anxiety and depression in moms because. We were discussing this the other day and anxiety and depression, it's so prevalent in society, but none of us really talk about it. Yeah, it's kind of that white elephant in the room that, like you said, it's so prevalent, but we we don't talk about it and you feel like you're alone. You feel like you're alone, yeah. You feel like like it's weak. Yeah, you feel like you're going crazy and you should have better control over your thoughts and you should feel this way. Uh, And it's just this vicious circle. Right. It's hor- yeah, it's horrible when you're in it. Like we are talking, we're like, we're, we both feel like we're struggling with anxiety right now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about our struggles in the past, our struggles right now, and what we're doing to get through them. Right. And I think, you know, on top of that, it's just, you know what? A lot of people have it. So let's just talk about it, people. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. So today we are brought to you by the No Guilt Mom Course for Kids Emotions. 911, which is one of my favorite courses that we have. Because when I was a kid, I didn't know that my emotions and some of the feelings I had were completely normal and everybody had them. Exactly. You feel very alone sometimes. And especially for kids, they don't always, not only do they not know that their emotions are normal, they don't know how to label them outside of happy, mad, or sad. Yeah. And they don't know why they lose control of them when they do. Mm-hmm. So in Emotions 911, it's a class just for kids. They're very short, like YouTube style videos. Oh yeah. Cause that's what they, that's what the young ones like to do these days. Yeah. Well, and when, <laughs> and the comments I get from parents all the time is that the kids really love the videos. They love to watch them and that it gives the family a common language in the home to talk about feelings, to talk about problems and to give options when like emotions get heated. Right. And in that series, not only is it based for children, but you tackle some pretty high level things. You talk about like inside, outside emotions Mm -hmm. and upstairs brain, downstairs brain. Upstairs brain, brain, downstairs brain. How like your upstairs brain isn't completely formed yet. That's like your cerebral cortex and all of your logical thinking. And your downstairs animal brain is like full force. Fire kitty. Yes, fire kitty. And so that's sometimes why kids lose control is because their downstairs brain takes over. And explaining this to kids, they're better able to, first of all, not feel the shame. Mm -hmm. 
Because that's one thing that I, I want to teach my kids, not to feel shame about emotions, not to feel guilty about how you feel. You know, you feel what you feel. Yeah. Don't apologize for it. Your feelings aren't the thing to ever have an apology for. What we can change and be thoughtful of mm-hmm. are is how we react. Exactly. And that's what they learn too in Emotions 911. That's what Emotions 911 teaches kids. It's for kids six to 10 years old. And if you want to go check it out, which I highly suggest you do, we have put a link in the show notes. And with that, let's get started. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. So, okay, the best way to do this is just to get into it, just to get into anxiety and depression. It seems like it's not the most enjoyable topic or fun topic, but it's a very relatable topic. It's a relatable topic, and I think we can find some bright lights. Right. And I, and I think like once you actually make that connection that you're not alone, someone else has had this feeling, mm-hmm. it takes this like huge wave of relief over it, and over to, you. Yep. And today we're not ex- necessarily talking about the anxiety and depression that becomes so overwhelming that you can't function in life because there are different levels of anxiety and right. depression. What we do want to address is that anxiety and depression that really stops you from feeling the joy that you're just kind of plodding along. You may feel instances of panic and despair, but overall you're functioning, but you're not functioning at an optimal level. Right. So before we had this episode, I I went ahead and and did a little bit of research because I feel like, why is it that every time that I talk to my friends, both men and women, it's the women that I tend to connect with on the whole anxiety issue. Mm -hmm. And so I did a little bit of research and I found that women are twice as likely to have anxiety as men. That's crazy. You have to wonder why that is. I have like theories, but I'd be a very like armchair expert on the theories. Same would I. And I I imagine our theory is probably similar. Yeah. Just the expectations that women have on themselves. Yes, exactly. We have so many expectations and so many roles we're expected to just handle. Mm -hmm. Like the, like, you know, just learning how to do planning just all on her own. Or like managing kids at home, work, mm -hmm. all the household responsibilities and feeling like everything is on our shoulders and we're failing at everything. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But then another thing too that I thought was really interesting when I was doing some more research was that the highest age group is 30 to 44. A Mm -hmm. lot of those are first time moms. Yeah, A lot of us are having our kids later. So Mm -hmm. between 30 and 44. And that was a huge scary time for me. That's where a lot of anxiety and depression came into. The first time I had, had my first child. And it was added stress. I think you and I have talked about this, both of us, because our backgrounds are working with children. So when we had our first kid, we were like, dude, I got this down. I'm cool. You, you have this it. like unearned sense of confidence from being a parent <laughs> I like when you've worked unearned. with children. Yes. Yes. 100%. And, yeah. then, and then the first night comes and you're like, oh crap, what did I get into? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, 
rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick Trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey, all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Oh my gosh. I remember that feeling very, very well. I remember actually being pregnant and my mom told me the story when, right when I was about to give birth to my daughter, she said there was like a night before where she had this sudden like fear. She's like, what did we do? The baby was coming. And I had that same fear because you have this life that you are used to before kids Mm -hmm. and kids change the entire thing. And you hear it and you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. You're like, I got this. I got Uh, this. Yeah, I know. My life's going to be different. Oh, (laughs) Oh, girl, you had no idea. No. No idea. No idea. And then there's so many expectations on you as a mom. Like Mm -hmm. I had no preparation for the actual baby phase. Like, I just thought, oh, it's a baby. I'll just cuddle her all the time and it'll be good. No, I I thought breastfeeding would come normal. I thought it was a natural thing that kids would just do. Oh, you and so many, right? So many. And when it came, like, it hurt. Oh, and then uh, let's all take like in the hospital. Uh, like they they show you really fast. They like, whip your baby around. Like, bam, it's yeah. done. And then you go home and you're like, why is it? Happening? Why isn't it happening? And, and then, then it's so fast though. Then you go to pediatricians' appointments and they're like, mm, your baby's not gaining weight an appropriate amount. And you're like, I'm not 
producing enough for my baby. Oh, I know. It's so much. It's so much stress. And then let's even add in that extra factor of, okay, what if you didn't have a great pregnancy? What if your pregnancy didn't go the way you imagined it would yeah. or planned for it? you had a very hard pregnancy. My first one was, I'll just admit, it was traumatic. I had a very eventful pregnancy mm-hmm. is, is the vocab to be used with that. The highlights of my pregnancy were that I was hospitalized. Well, I, I had several... <laughs> I had placenta previa, but it was undiagnosed. They were like, well, we think you just have low lying. So in other words, I went to the hospital four times during my pregnancy and my last hospitalization started at 27 weeks and I didn't get out until 32 weeks. And then I had him at 35. And it was just, it was a roller coaster of them trying to figure out what was going on, why I kept having issues. And then the isolation of being in the hospital. And then also just, do you know how hard it is to find another first-time mom that's going through that exact same thing as, as you? Like you, you seek out, right? These mm-hmm. relationships and you want to talk to people that know, that can give you some support and advice. And I could not find it. And it just made me feel very helpless and alone. It is, it's hard to find other moms like who are going through the same thing you did because even just having a kid, like uh, we were the first of our friends to really have a baby. Like there was mm-hmm. one other friend who had one at the time. But as soon as the baby came, like our whole life changed. And I felt like the things that I wanted to talk about that consumed my waking moments, like they had no idea, feedings huh? and diaper changes and like all those things that consume your brain when you're a first time parent, like my friends had no interest in. Of right. course not. Oh, she's so cute them. for like five minutes yeah. and then they're done. And then you get the whole, you should feel so grateful. You have such a little kid and you get that from all directions. And I think that adds to the anxiety because you don't feel grateful. You feel tired and you feel exhausted and you feel bad for feeling that way. Right, like it's very notable in the very beginning. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, I think it's a pretty well-known fact that there is postpartum depression, postpartum noob disorder. Your doctor checks in with you. Granted, it's kind of a, courtesy Mm check-in, but like, you know, you get those check-ins when you first have your baby. And and what we just now were talking about was the anxiety, depression, mood disorders that can happen right at that beginning part. But what happens when it keeps creeping back in? Yeah. As life goes on. Life goes on. Yeah. People don't really check in with you. You don't really have that same system. No, it's almost like you... Yeah, you have to be really, really cognizant of what is going on in your mind and what place you're in. I always know that like the feeling of panic I get, that is indicative that I'm going down the anxiety train and that I need to get myself into therapy as soon as possible. And like I'm in therapy right now because I felt it maybe a month or two ago and I forget the incident that prompted me. It's always an incident. Like two years ago, it was first dog fight. (laughs) First dog fight happened and I felt unsafe in my home. Like I had no control over my general safety, the well-being of my other dog. And it's the feeling of helplessness, really. Right. And I think that actually this therapy instance, it was, I was putting too much pressure on myself during the pandemic, during the business that I was just down in the dumps and basically like poo-pooing on every good thing I did. Oh Yeah. And it was hard. And I didn't realize I was doing that until I got on with a counselor. And the first thing she said, she's like, it's be kind to Joanne week. Oh my goodness. I love that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, be kind to Joanne. And she taught me how that there's two voices in your heads. Well, there's two teams really. They're football teams. She described it as, and this is the best way. This is the best visualization I have for this. And one team 
the tough team who's always used to playing. They're the ones who are telling you bad things. Like, you are not good enough. You're not doing what you need to do. You're not like the trash talkers. The trash talkers, basically. Yeah. And then there's this other team who sits on the bench for quite a while. They're the ones who build you up. They're the ones who be kind to you. Those kind, nice thoughts. And so picturing them as two football teams helped because she says, anytime those meanies come up to you, you just say, I don't have to listen to you. And watch them walk away. And so like just visualizing, having them walk away and I don't have to listen to you. It it was hard. It was hard at first. And within like a few days of using it though, I noticed that my mood improved. I was more patient all because those negative thoughts were not invading my brain anymore. That's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. Did it solve all my anxiety? No, but it helped. Yeah, it helped you get to the point where you felt like you could appreciate things because I feel like when it comes to anxiety mm-hmm. and I've had anxiety and I've been diagnosed with both anxiety and depression a few times throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And I've been to therapy, I've tried medication, I've done all kinds of different things to work through it. And every time I've been able to successfully work through it. But one of the biggest factors, honestly, has been having someone to talk to. Yeah. I, I'm a huge advocate of therapy, even if you're not at a point where... Because a lot of people wait till you're at that point where you're just hopeless Mm -hmm. before you start therapy and you don't have to be there. But you know what? Even if you can't do therapy, just finding that person you can connect with. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is something that you and I have both talked about before and I know we have the same mindset with it. So I know Mm -hmm. I can talk to you whenever I have a, a thought or a concern or I'm having something like this and you'll totally understand where I'm coming from. And it's, it's such a relief. It was like a wave the first time I think either of us talked about having any anxiety or depression. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, there's somebody else out there that like gets it, who knows what I mean, who is successful and things like, this isn't going to make me all of a sudden become unsuccessful because again, those negative thoughts. They do, the negative thoughts really invade your brain. Yeah, it's, oh, I'm weak. If I can't do this, then I'm going to just fail at everything and it can overtake you with these negative thoughts that aren't true. You know they're not true. They're not true, but they seem true. feel true. Yeah, so something else that I learned in my therapy sessions recently and because of the whole COVID, like I had to go and find a completely new therapist and I did it through the BetterHelp app, which BetterHelp does not sponsor this podcast in any way. Okay. But if they want to, (laughs) throwing it out there. Um, But so I searched through the BetterHelp app and they assigned me a counselor. And Mm -hmm. this was my first time ever doing video counseling. But she has taught me so much. And some of our hour-long sessions, like I'm feeling okay. And then near the end, she digs into something that I'm like, oh, that's not okay. Like the whole podcast thing, I was afraid of putting myself out there like that, like being an authority because so many times in my life, I've been called the know-it-all and just putting myself out there as an expert, it brought me a lot of fear. And what she told me, she's like, Joanne, I don't want to get advice from a non-expert, like somebody who's just kind of like, eh, this may be the thing. Like I want advice from a know-it-all. So you need to go out there and you need to put yourself out there. So she just digs into like so many things that are causing me this struggle internally. And the fact that I don't know her, I don't see her anytime in my life, that she has nothing invested in my life. Like I do not need to make her happy. Right. It's huge. And I think that is one of the reasons that going to a therapist works for me. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and you said that also right now. You're enjoying the fact that you don't have to like hop in the car and drive oh, yeah. somewhere, have, have childcare for the kids. You could just be like, okay. Some of these COVID things that are happening, like for therapy on video therapy, parent teacher conferences, video ones, I think those should be a thing from now on. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's so for much sure. Easier. It makes it a lot less stressful yeah. than before. Yeah, with anxiety, it could feel like it has just this hold on you and you're struggling for air and you you can't do anything about it. Right, and that's actually a really good description. I like that about the struggling for air because when I'm having anxiety issues, I feel like I'm jumping out of my skin. Like I everything can't. will get you. Right, yeah, like I can't, but I mean like I am physically jumping. Like I can't keep myself in. I feel like my arms are gonna just rip off and float off into space. My head's gonna, I just, I can't keep myself contained because the anxiety is pushing everything out of me. Mm-hmm. A difficulty breathing. I have my heart rate starts going up. I can feel my head starting to hurt from my blood pressure rising. Yeah, I get that. It's rough. And then when it gets really bad, I don't wanna talk to my friends. Yeah. Because I don't want to put that energy into, like you were saying the other day about like feeling like you're complaining too much. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about my anxiety because I feel like I'm being a mopey and I'm being down on myself and everything. And you feel like that because everyone's like, you should be positive and happy and grateful and thankful for all the things you have. Right. Or you're talking to your friends and they're doing wonderful and you're struggling and you're like, well, I'm crap right now. Yeah. But you know what? You're not. No, you're not. Like, I didn't want to go to my, I go to this morning workout every Tuesday and I didn't want to go today because I felt like it was one thing after another that was happening in my life and I could not put on a positive, happy face. Yeah. It's sad because it it keeps you from doing the stuff you need to do or you want to do. Right. Because you feel like you have to be happy and you don't. No. And we should normalize that more in society, that it's okay to be sad and people don't have to fix you when you're sad. Right. And people should just be given props for showing up. (laughs) Right, right. No, but I think that brings up a really good point. Sometimes you just need someone to talk to Mm -hmm. to get where you're going through. They don't have to fix it. Yeah, they don't have to fix it. And that's hard from a fixer. I am a fixer. And I've learned here very recently, I'm like, okay, Sometimes people just don't need me to fix problems. Like so much so that if someone comes to me with a problem, I'll ask them, I'm like, okay, since you're my friend, do you want me just to listen or do you want advice on this? I think that's a really great thing to say to somebody so that they have that validation of being like, yeah, I just want you to listen. Just listen. I'll be like, okay, I'm just listening. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? 
play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Because um, yes. also as a friend, isn't it hard when you feel like someone, or if somebody does say that they want you to help mm-hmm. and they do a lot of, well, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. And then you're starting to feel like, okay, really discouraged on that on that point too sometimes. Well, something I read, I can't remember where I read this, but it's a difference between women and men. And men tend to be fixers, which are interesting because like I feel inherently I want to fix things. Mm-hmm. And that's typically a male personality trait. That's so funny. I just had someone tell me last week that I'm I'm a fixer and that I keep taking on the dad trait. Yeah, I don't think that should be a dad trait. I don't think it was. Well, the person was talking to me was was bringing it up from like the parenting perspective. But yeah, you're right. Like, I, I guess I didn't see that as a male yeah. trait. But that's interesting that you read that and that I just had that brought yeah. on brought on to me last week. And that women, like as a whole, want to feel listened to and supported and agreed with. And that is not my personality, which could be why. Like, I feel like I've always struggled to maintain female friends. Like, they have to be a special breed. Like for your special breed. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I haven't really had any, like all we we just click so well. Yes, you, know, you have to be a special breed because <laughs> I'm intense. I think you would have run away screaming the first time you met me if you were not a special breed when I was like sitting down to do our masterpiece and I'm like, okay, we have to plan it. We have to go like this, 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 and this. And she stayed. So she's <laughs> I will admit I was all like, huh. All right, cool. You tell me what to do. I'm very like, type I, a. I, But that's great. That is one thing that like worked really well with that. So yeah, it makes me laugh. But you I'm, have to I'm, be yourself and accept here. that. Of, like you have to accept your own personality traits. Like it's good right. to know them. And I like I know those things about myself, and I know those things about like how other people could be repelled from it. But it doesn't change who I am, and I'm not right. apologetic about it. Right. I'm more understanding. I'm like, oh, maybe we just don't mesh. It's called about being like self. It's called about being self aware. Yeah, is what that is. It's like I'm. Self-aware. I'm aware. I'm aware of that part. So for sure. So we've talked a little bit about our anxiety and you know what? And I'm just going to say this. I really hate that there is this negative stigma Mm -hmm. out there about mental health in general, Mm -hmm. that it, again, I'm going to bring it back to like, it makes you weak is something that is not a desirable characteristic. But the truth is like over half of our population deals with some degree of mental illness. Let's just talk about it, people, and just admit it. And let's move forward. What are some things that we can do to feel better? What are some things that have helped us in the past? So therapy. Yes, therapy is huge. Because it helps you be more self-aware and accepting of yourself so that you're less apologetic about how you feel about things or how you come off. And you're more like, well, that's just me. Well, and let's just be honest. Therapists, they know what they're talking about. They do know what they're talking about. They can pinpoint right there. Like right there, they can pinpoint it. Because sometimes you think it's a superficial thing, but really it isn't. Mm -mm. It's something bigger and deeper. And and something that everyone experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful, like you said, too, to have that person that 
isn't involved with you in, in any way, shape or form. It's mm-hmm. nice to talk to your friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a huge one too. That's like, I call it my poor man's therapy. <laughs> like talking to it, especially like my, I have my core group of friends that I feel like I can tell anything to. Yeah. And there's not going to be judgment. There's just going to be listening, validation. And then if I want strategies, they'll give them to me. I feel like you need both. Like yes. They work hand in hand. You need to know that people like close to you and connected to you. And you mm-hmm. also need that outside viewpoint that's like a mile away and can see the whole big picture. Right. And I feel like being mindful of a lot of things is really helpful too. Being mindful of what might be your triggers, mm-hmm. being mindful of what works yes. about relaxing you. So what are some things besides therapy that help with you when you're feeling that wave come on? So it's something that I learned is called circular thinking because okay. usually the thing that is triggering my anxiety isn't what I think it is. And I have to go back and figure out what triggered my anxiety. So for instance, if I was in the kitchen working and I was totally happy, and then all of a sudden I felt like this wave of panic and despair, I automatically think, oh my gosh, I've been triggered. I've been triggered in some way. And I need to think back to what triggered me. And in this particular instance, Mm -hmm. my son came and asked me a question and then he like started crying about something. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the crying that triggered me. It was what I started telling myself about the crying. It was when he started crying, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had just done this, this, and this, and if I was a better mom and more on top of things, (sighs) he wouldn't be crying right now. And that's what got me. That's what got the panic. Mm. But then- Once you realize that, and once I realize that, I'm like, okay, well, what can I tell myself instead? And it's like, oh, he's crying because he's tired and he's hungry. Mm -hmm. And then you have to concentrate on, okay, what makes, how does that make you feel? Oh, that makes me feel a lot better and calmer. Right. But just knowing that internal monologue, it helps. Okay. So starting with that, the internal monologue had going on, it's that one lovely word that I I suck at pronouncing. Mm. Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing, yes. You go go to like the, it's all about me. It was all my fault. If I had just done things better. And things, it's like the slippery slope, the fallacy where things will just start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that prevents action, catastrophizing. Right, because then it feels all so big. It feels all so big. And like, I'm really big in the whole, like I'm drowning. I'm just drowning. I'm treading water as fast as I can and I can't stay above it. But you know what it is? And again, in that case, it's because I'm thinking the worst of everything. Yeah. And I'm not able to stop, take a breath. And it's funny. I feel like when I hear other people struggling through, I can logically talk them. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can be that shoulder to talk to, but I can also help give them some perspective. Yeah. Why can't I do that for myself? Because you're so in it. It's like your internal thing. I mean, I catastrophized when I was going through all my health struggles a few years ago. For those of you, well, I guess not many people know this because I've only talked about it once, but I have ulcerative colitis. But when I was, I had no idea what was going on. I was in a lot of pain. There was blood. It's all very scary. And for about a year, I had convinced myself that I had cancer or something like that. And you just didn't go to the doctor because you didn't want to get it? I, I went to the doctor, but I never pushed for more answers. Mm -hmm. Like the doctor said it was one thing and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's that one thing. I don't have to worry about it. But then the treatment didn't work. And so it got really bad. It got to the point where I was just, did not want to go out of the house. I was afraid of going out of the house. I was in so much pain that I'm like, okay, send me to the GI. I, I totally submit now. You can do whatever you want. And so I had to get the dreaded colonoscopy, which I was afraid of, which people, if you ever have to do it, 
It's no big deal. You don't remember a thing. It sounds scary. You don't but remember a thing. Yeah. The worst part is prepping, but we don't have to get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have to get into that. I love that. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of water. But yeah, I finally just let it and, and figured out the diagnosis. And it was best thing in the world. Cause I remember waking up from it and the doctor's right there and he's like, yeah, you have, you have ulcerative colitis and we're going to give you this and we're going to give you this med and it's going to be treated. And it was, and I've been in remission for like two and a half, three years, something that I could have achieved much sooner if I had, I mean, I don't want to say if I had not catastrophized, but I didn't even know that's what I was doing at the but time. But now you do. But now I do. And now that I know that's a thing and it prevents action, I can stop it sooner and make sure that I take the action I need to to actually fix the problem rather than wallowing in my misery. So yeah, that's a huge thing there. Mm -hmm. I think some other things that can sometimes help is just getting yourself back to those enjoyable tasks if you can, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe having your hobbies or exercising. And that's funny to hear me say, because I loathe the exercise. Are you coming around? Are you coming around on the Uh, exercise? uh, I'm gagging as we're saying this. (laughs) For those people who know me, I despise the whole thought process of exercising. It's not that I I sit like a slump on a rug all the time. Like I do things, but (laughs) I don't like to think of it as exercising. For have my own therapy. I probably need to work through with that. I, I obviously have issues from that, but traumatic experiences of people doing too much exercising. But I do feel like a getting up, taking a walk, mm-hmm. dancing, moving, dancing. Yeah, is my thing. That's exercising. Like I just put. I mean, I just throw in a silly song and just dance like, and it immediately will boost my mood and will help me have like a clearer mindset. Yeah, movement is huge. Huge. And music is huge. Yes. Like there is such power in music. Like I think everyone needs to have a playlist on their phone of songs that make them feel good. They're like the songs that come on the radio and they just light you up and you want to dance. I have 15 playlists currently on my Spotify that are mine. And uh, I share it with my kids, but 15 that are mine and three of them are uplifting. Like one is called Happy for Brie. Another one is called Peppy. Another one is Get Going. I like that. (laughs) So yeah, got it, got it. Gotta keep that going, man. You gotta keep it going with the music. And another thing that I enjoy also is I like having that relaxing environment. So I have, when I, again, when I'm feeling overly stressed, a lot of anxiety, if I can, I'll try to carve out some time where I'll go to my room. I love my bedroom in the afternoon. It has Mm -hmm. the most gorgeous afternoon light that comes in. It's very relaxing. I put on my oils. I'm an oil girl. I like lavender. Lavender's (laughs) one of my favorites. I I have quite the array of oils, but lavender is a favorite. And just turn on my fan, turn on some nice relaxing music. I've never really been a meditation person, but I'm I'm hoping to maybe move in that direction because I've heard a lot of people having a lot of good things. I'm a meditation person. Okay. Yeah, I use an app though. I use the Peloton app for meditation. And Camden and I actually do it at nighttime. Our sleep and relax meditation. And it's really fun. It's fun for her too, because we get these, we kind of make fun of it after the fact. (laughs) Like last night, our dog, we're like, the dog is doing meditation. Breathe in, good girl. Breathe out fire, bad girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's like, it gets like, you get the language, but it really helps you focus on your breathing. It helps you learn to notice those thoughts when they enter your head and gently like tap them out. Yeah. <laughs> so like you're not fighting it. You're just like, I'm just gonna push you a little bit. Tap it's like a off. feather tapping a bubble. Yeah. That's what I picture when I'm like, the thought comes up, just a feather. There but, you go. Yeah, meditation helps with 
So, and I have one more that I'm going to share that. So I had my kids go through some therapy with our divorce and my son had some anxiety to work through as well. And one of the techniques that seemed to work really well with him, and I've had a few other friends that have had anxiety that I've seen a lot of success with it too, is mindfulness exercise. So you think about all the forces of nature. Mm-hmm. One is earth. So you, when you're starting to feel that anxiety, you sit down somewhere and you have your feet on the floor and you think about that feeling of your feet being on the floor and being Mm. grounded where you're at. It's like being present. Yes. And then exactly, it's all about the mindfulness thought process. And then you're going to do wind, which is breathing. Mm. You focus on your breathing. Breathe in, breathe out slowly. And you're focused. So you went from focusing on grounding to now you're focusing on the wind. Mm -hmm. Then you focus on water. And we found that what worked best for my son was drinking the cold water. Yeah. He would just take like a sip of cold water and you just feel that going down. Again, being mindful of things that are going on. I, I heard water and I'm like, it's like when you realize that you have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that. Like that would be me. Cause I am like, right. I'm a wateraholic. For those who do not know me, I can go through a, a whole water dispenser just myself in a day. That's just me inserting humor in serious <laughs> subjects. <laughs> and then the last one is fire. Fire yeah. is like, is you close your eyes mm-hmm. and you imagine your happy place. Yeah. For me, that's on the beach and the sound of like waves crashing and mm-hmm. all of that. You imagine your happy place. So once you've gotten through all of those stages, you open your eyes and you typically do feel a little bit more refreshed, calmer, mm-hmm. that feeling like you're jumping out of your skin and being ripped apart from your anxiety yeah. normally subsides. Yay. So that's another good one. Awesome. Well, I think we've gone through a lot of tips to use for anxiety and hopefully just hearing our struggle has helped you a bit with your anxiety that you may be feeling right now. I know you're not alone out there, man. We all, we all, so many of us have this. Yeah, you are not alone. And if you are enjoying the No Guilt Mom podcast, we would love for you to leave us a rating and a review. Uh, We read reviews on air. In fact, we haven't this episode. Should we read a review? We haven't. Yes, we should. Let's read a review. Since we just started the podcast, we're like, I've been reading all the reviews that come in and they're just like big hugs. That's what they, they're, they're big virtual hugs right now. They're and they big feel virtual so good. hugs. So here's one from Super Silly Girl. She says, it's enjoyable, useful, and just plain fun. I've listened to the first episode now and I just feel so much more at peace with myself and my own ability to be a good parent. Joanne and Brie are so real and have such great advice. Plus it's fun to listen to them and it totally feels like just friends sitting in your living room, having some coffee and chatting. It makes it so easy to listen to the episodes. The topics are relevant, approachable, and immediately useful. I highly recommend listening to Joanne and Brie. So thank you, super silly girl. Thank Big virtual you. hug I right know. back at you. We need those. Like I miss hugs. This COVID world too. is tough, man. It, it is tough. tough. It is tough. <sighs> if you ever have anything that you want us to talk about on the podcast, or if you ever have any feedback for us, like we love hearing from you. Email us at hello at noguiltmom.com. Tell us what you like. Tell us what we should change. Tell us anything. Yeah. Okay. Give us your thoughts, your feedback. We love it. We love it. And until next time, remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. 
Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.